and no mention about a heavenly father that provided a good harvest. Listen to a quote from President Woodward Wilson. A nation which does not remember what it was yesterday does not know what it is today or what it is trying to do. We're trying to do a futile thing if we do not know where we came from or what we have been all about. I trust you're teaching your children and your grandchildren the true meaning of thanksgiving. Maybe we need to start by asking ourselves, what does it really mean to me? If we were to go to, say, the streets of Washington, D.C., and, and ask that question, I'm sure that you would get a variety of answers. As I said, here in America, we celebrate Thanksgiving as well as those in Canada. Um, we look back in our country's history where the first Thanksgiving was celebrated. We in America point to the year 1621 with the pilgrims there and the harvest feast they shared with the Indians. They were thankful that God had helped them those that did survive the harsh winter, for many had died, now they were enjoying a good harvest. And our Christian friends in Canada remember the early celebration of the year 1578. You can Google it and read all about it. They celebrate the second Monday of October, but we celebrate the fourth Thursday of November. It's a time for family to get together, to lay aside the busyness of life. Perhaps it might give you a warm and fuzzy feeling. But if that's all there is to Thanksgiving, we fall way short of its real and true meaning. On that first Thanksgiving day, those pilgrims and Indians gave thanks to their Creator God for His bountiful blessings to them. I wonder how many of us Americans did that this year around as we gathered around our table. But as believers, the meaning of thanksgiving certainly should be our praise to God. Thank you, worship team, for those beautiful songs of thanksgiving. I always enjoy some of those traditional songs. It just wells praise up in my heart. In the Bible, the meaning of thanksgiving reflects adoration to God as praise. And an offering of thanksgiving that comes from the very depths of our being. We see this here in this scripture, Psalm 42. But long before Psalm 42 is written, <clears throat> me, Nehemiah had assembled two great choirs to give thanks to God's faithfulness in the rebuilding of the temple walls, or the walls of Jerusalem, rather. They celebrated joyfully with songs of dedication and thanksgiving with the cymbals and the harps and the musical instruments that they had. Every person, my friends, that have ever been born have been born with an Adamic nature. We all deserve God's judgment for the sins that we've committed. But aren't you thankful today that God sent his only begotten son to come to this world to live among men and then that he would willingly lay down his life a ransom for him. We are the <coughs> He was without sin. 
and yet he took our place, went there to the cross, dying that we might live. I'm so thankful that he satisfied the judgment that God had for sin. So Jesus, the creator, the eternal son of God, who, who lived a sinless life, loved us so much that he took our place. He took the punishment that we all According to the scriptures, he died and was buried, arose triumphantly the third day, and is alive forevermore. Praise his holy name. Now all who call upon him for forgiveness and pardon will be saved because the penalty has been paid. We can't earn it, we can't be good enough for it. Jesus took our place. So we have so much to be thankful for. We can declare him, Jesus is Lord. He's my Lord. Amen? Your Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Someday we'll spend eternity with him. Let's consider several verses here from Psalm 42. It's believed that this psalm was written uh, as a result of King Saul who was hounding and pursuing David. And David was fleeing for his safety of course, while he was on the run, he was not able to be with the, the believers going into the city, going into worship. He said there, he remembers he led them in those times of triumph and praise. Now he's out hiding in some cave. Have you ever been in a cave? They're damp, they're cold, sometimes there's water dripping, just a beautiful place to be, right? No. You can just imagine how David would be really longing to go into the courts and the house of the Lord with his friends and neighbors and praise and missing that. I miss when I'm not here at church. I'll tell you, even when I'm at other places at church, I keep thinking about back here, of my dear people. I want to be with you. I want to worship together. And I'm sure this is what David was feeling here. The psalmist was sharing the realities, realities of life that he was facing. You know, there are those times that we go through struggles and one sort or another, whatever it is. Here he's longing for the presence of God, struggling, yes, with doubts and fears. And I say it seems like when you're down, the devil just pounces and it pounds you down, Father. It gives you all kinds of lies and untruths. I think all of us can identify with that one time or another, on through those times of despair. But in these first few verses, he, he enlightens himself to the deer. Oh, yes, tomorrow is the first deer. I have deer out again. You guys are going to go out and shoot those beautiful animals. I did it too one day. But he likens to a deer that supposedly maybe was chased by some dogs and had outrun the dogs. You can just picture in your mind coming to a, a, brook, a brook of water and the deer's there thirstily drinking that refreshing cool water. David is saying he's thirsty for God, for the living God. He was heart sick being chased, spiritually thirsty, missing those times of public worship. His anguish was so great that he had lost his appetite. He feels 
in fact, distant from God at times. And he longs for the intimacy of God. And I'm sure he remembers Psalm 100, verse 4, that he wrote, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, be thankful to him, and bless his name. Those beautiful words. And you know the people would walk together as an assembly, going to worship, singing as they went. And a lot of these psalms were what they were singing. We do read there in Acts 2, verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking the bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They worshipped together. They weren't isolated out on the mountainside somewhere. They wanted to be together in their worship. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16 were admonished to offered two types of praise and sacrifice to God. It says, therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Do not forget to do good and to share for the such sacrifices God is well pleased. Some of you entered into that today, sharing words of praise from your lips to God. And then doing good to others. You always want to have a hand reached out to share ourselves and our needs. Because this is what pleases God. That's what David was missing while on the run from King Saul. In verse 5, he reminds himself that one day he would again experience anew the presence of God. In the end, his hope in the Lord would not be displaced, but would prove faithful. And then notice verse 8. By the way, it, it, it's a good verse to put to memory. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I've never had those songs in the night. I see some of you nodding. They're precious. Not that you can't sleep, the Lord brings a song to your heart. And you can sing praise to him. There in verse 9, he refers to God and his, as his rock, a term that symbolizes strength and durability. The psalmist knows these things, but he's still downcast and lonely. Guess what? He's human like everyone else of us. It's, it's, it's wonderful to me to know that Jesus. Walk this earth as a human being, and he knows what we experience. He knows our friendship. And he knows when things are going hard. But we notice then, we need to notice that the psalmist asks these troubling questions in faith. For he remembers that God is still his rock, his protector, his foundation. He says in verse 10. It says his enemies ask, where's your God? And that question, where is your God, shows the blindness of unbelief. Friends, we see God now by the eyes of faith. But one day, our faith will become sight, and we'll see him face to face. Sight to all the believers who walk immediately by their faith in him and his word. 
those who are against us, well, they'll try at times to make you feel like, oh, you're just forgotten. God's turned his back on you. He's rejected you. But don't listen to those things. Jesus promises never to leave us or forsake us. Amen? Amen. 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 That's better. Lastly, verse 11, he gives the appropriate response to every temptation to despair. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For again I will praise him, my salvation and my God. When David looks deep into his distress and sorrow, and after all, he finds there's no sufficient ground there to be feeling overly distressed. It seems like he does inventory of his heart. That's good for all of us at times. And he realizes his fear was not so overwhelming as it may be at first it seemed. He cries out, Oh, in God. What a wonderful response. That's the answer for all of us. One feel pounded down by the devil. What does the scripture say? Resist the devil, and he will do what? Flee from you. He'll flee from you. <coughs> we need to jump to our feet and declare, I will open God. Let our anchor hold us fast in the time of storm. Oh, friends, God is faithful. He answers prayer. He hears you when you cry out to him. And so we have reason to hope in him, do we not? He's the help of my countenance, and he's my God. So we need to focus our hope in him in the middle of those difficult circumstances. Let every day be a day of thanksgiving. Every day to our God. Now that is, unless you're all caught up and you're praising for all that he's done for you, I doubt any of us can say that. We always have something to praise the Lord for. There's things that we may have been taken for granted too many times. Oh, I love that old song, Hallelujah, Praise Jehovah. And we'll sing it in just a few minutes as our closing song. And that song is taken directly from the scriptures in Psalm 148. Verse 13 says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. As the sun and the moon and the stars on high give praise, why not you and me? Everything around us that God has created gives praise to God Jehovah. I don't want the rocks and the trees of the hills to do my praising. How about you? We want to praise the Lord ourselves. Oh, let's join together every day to be thankful and to bless the Lord for all that He's done, all that He is doing. Will you join me in praising Him as we sing this together as a praising church? I know many of you already are. So let's just continue to give God honor and glory. So stand with us now as the worship team comes. Let's sing our best, lift our voice and praise to God today.